hard news. And unfortunately, today is one of those times I need to give some news that's disappointing, but don't mistake it for bad news. It's news that will turn to joy shortly, and um, it's even difficult to, to give this. But I want to tell you something. I was in worshiping with our Spanish church this morning. Uh, Pastor Ronaldo has known sobriety from drugs and alcohol for 35 years, and unfortunately, he has slipped back into some use of alcohol. Um, I know that this is difficult and hard news. He came to us and told us about this. He um, regretfully operated a vehicle um, while drinking and uh, had his vehicle impounded and uh, was arrested. We want to, and he is out now. He's got a court date. He's got some things coming up. He's been our friend. He's been a member of our staff for 12 years, and he's been our friend. We've done life with him for a long time. And it's with a heavy heart that I tell you this today. It is a difficult thing to stand up here and tell a congregation, an even more difficult thing to know about it for a week and have to tell you. Uh, But what we've done is we know that we caught this early, that he came to us and said, I did this, I made a mistake, Um, we caught this early. So this is what we are doing. One, I'm just going to read some of this to you because I wrote it, and I get emotional about this because he's a friend of mine. One, I want to say we caught this early, he made a mistake, and we're going to work with him in a restoration process. Two, he has surrendered his credentials by our discipline, he has to surrender these, to his district superintendent in the District Hispano of the Wesleyan Church, Um, and he's entering into a restoration process. One of the things we do here and we believe in is, is developing staff. And we pay for our staff to go to conferences, we pay for some of our staff to continue some education. You guys all paid for me to go to Israel last year so I could continue some education. And, and that is an ethic that we have in our church. And the belief of our board, my belief as well, is that if we do that for other staff, we need to invest in our staff when they're hurting. And so we are paying for uh, Pastor Ronaldo to enter into a time of counseling and recovery. Um, and even the recovery program we have is for people that are much worse off than him. And know that this is something that um, he will have a continued level of accountability with Dr. Earl Gotts, Reverend Edgar Chacon, who is the um, district superintendent of the Hispanic section of the Wesleyan Church. And um, I will meet with him on a regular basis to ensure his sobriety and things are going well. Um, Our board has decided to uh, continue his pay for three months. Uh, while he goes through some of this recovery process. We are at the mercy of the Hispanic District of the Wesleyan Church. He's given them his credentials. And so I'll work with that district superintendent and the board of Vida Nueva and Jesus. And if everyone sees fit, there might be an opportunity to call him back. Um, but at the moment, he will be joining us in our congregation every Sunday. And you know what? He needs us. He needs you He needs you to invite him to dinner and his family. He needs to be surrounded with Christian community because we're the church. It's not the job necessarily. I mean, sobriety counselors, it's their job too, but we're the church. God has called us at this time to be the people, when people are hurting, to be those people that will support them. And so God has called us in this endeavor. During this time, I said he'll be uh, joining us in worship and we're going to lean on the Hispanic district to uh, have a supply pastor 
uh, preaching for, our, for Vida Nueva and Jesus. They're a congregation that's near and dear to our hearts. Folks, that is a church plant in this area. That is a mission to this community. And we're still very committed to Vida Nueva and Jesus. Ronaldo, the board, and I, we're not trying to hide anything. In fact, if you're a board member who was at our meeting yesterday, would you stand up, board members? Board members, thank you. So the board that was at the meeting yesterday and some of the Hispanic board, these folks know the whole story. That really is the whole story that I told you. We don't want any gossip. We don't want anything like that. They have my full permission to tell you exactly what happened Um, because we just want to end the conversation there and go to now we're working, we're, we're happy that we caught this. We're happy that we, that we caught this early. We're happy that we know that it's not happening in secret anymore, that now we know what's actually happening. And now we know that we have a plan for him and that he is submitting to this plan joyfully. And he's submitting himself to this process. Now, like I said, don't mistake this for bad news. Many of us are heartbroken over this. And it legitimately so. It is a hard time. It's something that um, I, I, I don't lose sleep over much. Nothing much gets to me, but, but this got to me a little bit because, like I said, he is my friend. But we know what the Bible has to say about this, and we know that going through this process, we're not going to give evil the victory, that Jesus will get this victory. We know that the path that he is on right now is a solid one. He is meeting with some astounding people, and people that, that are going to be great for him. We know what the scriptures say. Psalm 103 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. O my soul, all my inmost brain, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of your sins and heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies the desires of your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or pay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens above this earth, so great is his, the love for those who fear him. As far as from the east is to the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his child, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Pastor Ronaldo and I in my office this morning went through this. And we, I said, Ray, this is God's promise for you. That your sins can be removed as far as from the east is to the west. That God still loves you. God crowns you with his compassion that God has his arms wrapped around you. And even though some people might be disappointed, even though some of us are hurt, we're going to get over that. And we're going to get you to a point to where you can resume your calling. Because we believe that there's going to be an awesome testimony out of this. And we take leadership here very seriously. We take leadership in the church very seriously. We take God's calling very seriously. And there's, this is one of those things that... that you know, it pains you to do, but you have to do it because you have to see him come through a process of restoration. If any of you have ever struggled with alcoholism, you know that just one drink can do that to you. I'm also reminded of 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11, where it says, Or do you not know that the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God 
Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, the idolaters, the, adult, the adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But Paul doesn't end there. There's so many times our world wants us to end there. In fact, there's so many times our world does end there. By the way, you're done. You're judged. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. But Paul didn't end there because, praise the Lord, that is not the end of the story. Paul says, and that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. By the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of our God, that is what some of you were. Because of our love and belief of redemption in Jesus, we believe that God is going to do some awesome things in this time. While some of us are are extremely sad that this happened and regret it deeply, how we respond as a congregation has huge implications. This is a time for the church to be the church. I'm a really big fan of a guy, of a martyr during the Holocaust named Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer said that the church is Christ existing as community. Will the Ramirez family see this community as Jesus to them? I think so. Because you've been Jesus to me. You've been Jesus to those who are hurting. You've been Jesus to people before. And I think that the Ramirez family will see you all be Jesus to them. Because the church, community gathered, is Christ existing as community. God will show up. We've all been there to the point where we needed help. We've all been to the point where we need forgiveness. We've all been to the point where we needed restoration. And God did something amazing. He simply showed up. He simply said, here I am. Look at the holes in my hands. This is all for you. You're my child. You will never stop being my child. And you are someone I will love all the way through eternity. Would you pray with me in this time for the Ramirez family? And it just so happens, there's no, I don't believe in coincidences. This is a divine coincidence that we'll be finishing the Lord's Prayer in the message today. And his Father, forgive us. <laughs> I'm sorry. And so... Um, Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God has a divine plan in all of this. Let's pray. Father, for the Ramirez family, we thank you for their love and service to this congregation, to Vida Nueva and Jesus. Father, for the next few months as they enter into an intentional restoration process, would you guide them? Would you be with them? Would you be present with them? God, would you show them your love and compassion? In fact, Lord, would you crown them with your love and compassion as it says in the scriptures? God, would you guide him into all truth? And because this is just such an open thing now, Lord, we know that sometimes when sin is is exposed, that, that there's no room for it anymore. And so, Lord, we pray that you would break any bondage that he might have because of alcohol. God, we pray that you would lead him into sobriety. We pray for Reverend Chacon as he navigates through this process as a district superintendent. We pray for Vida Nueva and Jesus as they get transitional leadership. And Lord, we pray for us as we strive to be the type of people that show Jesus in every area of our lives. 
God, would you work through each one of us in this time? In the name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen. Thank you, and I trust that um, although he is, uh, although he is uh, not in our service today, I trust that all of us will uh, just show the kind of love that we show anybody um, in this process. And we know that God is going to do some amazing things in this. And in fact, one of the things I told the Spanish congregation this morning was, um, this, we cannot look at this as defeat, but we need to look at this as victory. Oh, I'm sorry. As I was praying, Pastor Ronaldo is, is right here. And so he is joining us today. Um, Pastor Ronaldo, thank you for joining us. He's, he's right here. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I'm sorry, I didn't see you there, brother. So today, as we dive into the Scriptures, we're looking, we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer. We've been looking at prayer as a way of forming and changing us. What does God get out of our lives? The, peace, the persons that we become as a result of prayer. The person that we become as a result of connecting with God. And we looked at things like God changes life circumstances. We looked at things like God actually moves and changes things. And when we pray, our Father in heaven, remember we looked at that word heaven and we looked at it as the heavens? And that God is right here among us. That God is not far off. That God is not gone, that God is here. And actually, prayer changes circumstances. And today, we, we've gone through, a number of, um, gone through a number of these. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We all pray for God's kingdom to come because that's good stuff, right? But then a lot of times, we have a hard time saying your will be done because that means we're not in charge. That means God is in charge, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Last week we talked about how we simply need to lean on God for today, not for tomorrow, not for the next week. And that's so difficult in an abundant society because we are in a society of abundance. We could simply go to our pantry or our fridge or our freezer or the fridge in the garage or the pantry in the garage and we could pull out stuff for today. But God wants us to get to the point where we lean on him in our every single day lives. And then today we get to this point and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And we're going to bunch up actually the rest of the Lord's Prayer today. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So by divine coincidence, we're talking about this passage today. I think the best thing that we could simply do is break this down piece by piece and understand really what it says. So Father, forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. What do we mean when we, meet, when we say forgive? When we forgive, we decide that we'll give up the right to make someone else suffer, to make someone else hurt for it. Have you ever been at work and somebody's done something to you, and you've thought, well, I could just do this. You know, I could just harm them a little bit in this way. One time, um, I, I was a, I'm a horrible office worker, by the way. I have no other marketable skills. I'm a pastor. That's all I've got. Um, I, one time, I was working reception at a real estate office, 
And I came in 30 minutes early simply to undo the chair of a person that I worked with so that when they sat in it, it would all fall apart. That's what I do when I work in an office. I mean, so I really have no other marketable skills other than a pastor. And, and we were going back and forth, back and forth, and it was kind of a fun thing. But, but you begin to think of things in, around the office and at home and, and, and just around family and friends where you maybe throw that dig in. And you say, oh, I forgave you, I forgive you, I forgive you. But then you throw that dig in. Well, no, you didn't. You didn't forgive anybody. Because forgiving somebody means that you give up the right, you give up the ability to make someone else suffer. So a lot of times we say we forgive you. We say things like, oh yeah, I forgive you, but then in our heart we're still hurt, and so we actually lash out against somebody else. No one does that here. I'm sure we all have friends that do that. But we don't. Because we're all good Christians, I'm sure. Although there might be consequences to other people's sin that are outside your control. With Pastor Ronaldo, that's consequences that are outside of my control. We have to go by procedures at some times. And so that's outside of my control. But sometimes when we mess up, there's consequences and there's restoration. It's also interesting to me that the natural consequences of our actions have been pretty well designed by God to lead us to be the kind of people that we ought to be. Now think about that statement for a second because it's actually really important. The natural consequences of our actions are well designed by God to lead us to be the kind of people that we ought to be. In our anger, how many of you have ever broken a toe or a hand in anger? I have broken a toe. Thank you, Paul. Anybody else? Paul over here, Dave over here. We've all broken bones out of anger. You just kick something, right? The next time you get angry, did you do that? (laughs) There's an old Simpsons episode where Bart goes, Lisa's running, uh, I watched this as a kid even though my mom's here. Sorry, mom. She told me I wasn't allowed to. Um, Bart had this cupcake, or at least had this cupcake, and it was electrified, and Bart kept going after it, and it kept zapping him. And there was a, mou- a mouse, and it kept going after it. And it, it went, the first time it went after it, it got zapped, and it stayed in the corner. It wouldn't, go, it wouldn't get it. But Bart kept going after it. That's how some of us are sometimes. But the natural consequences of our sin are well designed by God to lead us to be the type of people that we ought to be. Does that make sense to you? So in our anger, when you kick something and you break a toe, you punch something and you hurt a finger, you break a hand, you're not going to do that again because you remember that pain. There's other consequences of our sin, and you could just probably think about those things that lead you to be the type of person that you ought to be. Think about a time you got in trouble, maybe at school, maybe at home, maybe you got suspended as a kid, maybe you got grounded as a kid, maybe you got something taken away as a kid. It leads you to be the type of person that God wants you to be. Did you do it again? Probably not. One of the things that we can learn from this um, situation with Pastor Ronaldo, it's the number one most important thing to do when you get in trouble, when you do something that um, requires forgiveness, is to take responsibility. Number one, take responsibility. Stand up and say, I did it. This is what I did. Be open and honest with it. I did it. This is what I did. And, and you simply put that in somebody else's hands. 
As far as you're concerned, you've given everything you can, you've said everything you can, you've owned up to everything that you can. You can't really truly forgive somebody unless they've been totally honest with you because you really don't know what to forgive. And if they're not being honest with you, then you've got something else that you have to forgive them for later, right? So one, if we're ever in that position where we need the grace and mercy of a group of people or our families or our coworkers, then we need to be people that take responsibility and that own up to it, that stand up and say, I did it. It was me. Treat me as you wish. Fall on that mercy. Forgiveness will only happen if someone is willing to own up to their stuff and say what they did. But you can't expect the world to do that. You can't expect your family to do that. So we actually need to model that. Do you know it's actually the easier way to do it this way? Ronaldo coming forward and saying what he said and doing what he did is actually the easier way. It's tough, and I'm sure as I was explaining some of this to you, some of your hearts were just pulled and tugged and your stomachs were turning because it's tough. But imagine if he didn't come forward and he continued hiding it. Imagine what five, six, seven months or a year down the road where it was still able to be hidden. Imagine if he didn't do that. Imagine the pain that we would be suffering as a result of that. Imagine the pain that he and his family would be suffering as a result of that. This is actually the easier way. Walking with Jesus, something I've been trying to explain to us, is actually the easier way in life. If you take Jesus' teachings and you apply them to your life, it's actually the easier way to go because Jesus says that he has the easy yoke and his load is light. In other words, we have a yoke. A yoke is like this oxen's oak and you're right there and Jesus says, walk with me in this yoke. In other words, you're not pulling this load on your own, but you're pulling it with the God of the universe. So actually following Jesus' way is easier. The way of forgiveness is easier. And in fact, we need to be people that model it to our families, model it to our friends, model it to our church. Because as we begin to model it, people might say, wow, this is actually the easier way to not hold on to this anger, to not hold on to this hate, to not hold on to this bitterness and do something stupid with it. Because in our bitterness, in our anger, in our hate, we end up, I mean, the next step is stupid, right? Has any, anybody else been there or am I the only one? I'm willing to own up to that. The, in our bitterness, in our hate, in our anger, the next step is stupid. It absolutely is every single time. And you get yourself into more trouble. And if, I mean, if you're a guy here and you're married and you've ever been angry at your wife in a fight, you've said something stupid. Am I right? Okay. I had to not feel alone up here. When we live in these times, it's helpful to remember that we need to live in a state of pity. And I use that word for a very specific reason. That is, we pity others and can receive the pity of others. Living in a state of pity means that we naturally feel sorry for other people. When we do this, we understand our own capacity to do dumb things. We understand that we need to receive the same pity from God on the cross. And I'm using pity instead of mercy or compassion because the word pity actually kind of makes your tummy turn. It makes your stomach hurt. It kind of makes you wince when you think of the word pity. Like, what do I need to be pitied for? And how do, why do I need to pity someone else? But it actually gets to the heart of our own condition. It gets the point across when you hear it. 
When we say mercy is something, sometimes it saves the ego. Oh, I'm just cutting this guy some slack, or I'm just giving a break. But when we say pity, we understand that we need God's help. (laughs) We understand that we need the help of others. We understand that we're broken people. We understand that we are hurting people. And sometimes if we walk around as merciful people, which is good, God calls us to do that, we think of ourselves as higher than we ought to think of ourselves, not as humble as we ought to be. So we need to live in a state of pity. We're not giving people a break. We're simply giving them pity. We feel sorry for them and compassionate for them. And we forgive them as a result in the same way that God remembers that we are dust and that we have broken things and we've messed things up and that we've hurt other people in our lives. And so he said, I will come down and I will bridge this gap. I will make it right. I'll make it available for me to have a relationship with you. And I will actually put my spirit in your lives so that you can follow me so that your relationships can be redeemed, so that forgiveness can actually happen. And I'm going to show you what real forgiveness looks like. That wasn't necessarily an act of mercy. That was an act of pure pity. Yes, mercy. Yes, compassion. But pure feeling sorry for the human race, that God came and did that. Sometimes when we forgive others, we can let the ego take control, and that's actually besides the point of what we're supposed to do. And that's why I say we need to live in a state of pity. Verse 13 says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is like a personal vote of no confidence. This is saying, God, when you pray, you should actually do this. God, I cannot do this on my own. The number one thing I have to say to you, God, is I need your help. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from this. When you say the evil one, you have to understand the concept of evil in the first century. The first century, evil was this source of temptation. In fact, Satan was known as evil or the tempter. And Jesus went out to go be tempted just right before this. And the understanding that in temptation is evil. Temptation is the corruption of a natural desire. For, let me give you an example on this. A corruption of a natural desire. There's a natural desire in every single human being's life to be loved, to be significant. The corruption of that is sleeping around to feel better. And we do this in our society all the time. We say we feel loved because of this. Or to pursue fame and recognition of the need to be significant. God created us with that need, but the significance needs to be filled in Him and what He did on the cross. And not necessarily in people, but in what God has done for us And we need to continue to pray, God, deliver us from temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. People do not ask God to spare them from trials and evils when people don't, I'm sorry, people who do not ask God to spare them from trials and evils usually do not recognize his hand when they are spared. People who do not ask God to spare them from trials and evils usually do not recognize his hand when they're spared. Later on, Jesus would tell his disciples to pray so that they didn't fall into temptation. And he would go and bear the cross for them. And then I love this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father who also will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. What Jesus is telling us is you simply have to model this first. 
You can't get around it. Jesus, before you go to him, in fact, we went through this in our Sermon on the Mount series where Jesus says, if you're at the altar and you find that somebody has something against you, go and be reconciled. So at the altar in Jewish tradition means you're making peace with God. In other words, you're asking for forgiveness for some of your own junk and some of your own sins and some of the own stuff that you've done. In other words, Jesus is saying, stop coming to worship me because you're doing it falsely if you don't make peace with other people. So what Jesus is saying here is simply, you need to be reconciled to me. You need to be reconciled with other people. You need to showcase and, and show this with your life before you even ask me for it. Mark eleven twenty three through 25 says, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and, and does not doubt in their heart but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you will have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. This was a constant theme for Jesus when he talked about prayer. When Jesus talked about prayer, he said, forgiveness is key. If you don't forgive people, don't expect me to go forgiving you because you need to go model this. You need to say, Jesus, I want this so bad that I'm going to go do this with everybody in my life that I'm going to go reconcile relationships right now. I'm not going to wait. And in fact, before I even come to you, I'm going to them first so that we can be reconciled. This prayer leads us into something even bigger. Remember, as I said in the very beginning of this whole series on prayer, what does God get out of us? What does God get out of our lives? What does God benefit from us? And that is the, ty- the type of person that we become as a result of prayer. The type of person that we naturally become when we talk to a God that is all loving, when we communicate with a God that is all loving, is a transformed person. And a transformed person would naturally do the type of things that God wants for us, would naturally do God's will in the everyday life. Praying this prayer leads us into a deeper kind of life with God. This prayer is really a foundation to teach us how to pray. And if you want to learn how to pray even more, I would suggest you take the Lord's Prayer on a daily basis and that you just expound on some of those verses. That you pray and you wait and you stay quiet and, and then you expound on some of those verses in your conversations with God. But praying this prayer also leads to us to be the kind of people that are conspirators with God. We are conspirators with God in His divine conspiracy. Do you know God has a conspiracy on this earth and it's you? It's the church. If we were to go up to God and have a conversation with God right now and say, Lord, you know, what are you doing to combat evil? What are you doing about child soldiers? What are you doing about disease? What are you doing about famine? What are you doing about the marriages that are in shambles? What are you doing about children, neglecting children? What are you doing about the abuse of women? What are you doing about civil rights? What are you doing about blah, 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 blah? And he would say, well, I've got about two billion people on earth that are following me right now. I call them the church. They're co-conspirators with me. I am helping them to overcome evil in their own lives so that they can overcome evil in the world. 
God's divine conspiracy. The church doesn't have a mission. God has a mission, and we lead into that. Let me say that again. The church does not have a mission. God has a mission, and we lead into that. God leads us in his mission. So what are you doing? Are you a conspirator with God? Are you willing to stand up and say, this is me. I, I will conspire with God in the best possible way to overcome evil in my own life. And not only that, but to overcome evil in the world. Because our faith leads us to action. It's not just organizing in a group and going off to a rescue mission somewhere. Although that's a great thing to do. It gets you started. But it's stopping on the side of the road when you see a homeless person and dignifying them by saying, what's your name? My name is Dave, but you should really tell them your own name. Unless you have a stack of my business cards and you're pretending to be me. My name is, what a John, my name is Dave, my name is Michael. You're loved more than you ever know. How can I help you today? That's acting as God's divine conspiracy. Maybe you go into the darkest corners of this world and you lead into that. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe God has something that has been deep on your heart even today. That God has something that's been placed in your heart and you kept saying, no, it's not the right time. Or no, God, I can't do that. Or no, God, I'm not ready for that. But God says, are you going to be my conspirator or not? It is, it is this divine conspiracy that God wants to take over the world with good, with his good, with people who are actually transformed, with people who actually know Jesus in a profound and powerful way. Maybe you're here today and, and you want to know Jesus in that type of way, and you thought, man, I've been coming to church for a long time. I know the Bible backwards and forwards, but I don't know Jesus in that profound type of way. What I simply want to invite us to do is pray together the Lord's Prayer. And, and I know that sometimes this just becomes a mindless act in churches. They do over and over and over and over again. Stand, say this, sit, say this. We do this at whatever social event. But let this be a prayer that you say, God, all around us. In fact, one of the prayers that, I'll email this out this week, in fact, um, there's a great man that I, I've read all of his stuff and I'm in the process of rereading it again. His name is Dallas Willard. And you've heard a lot of Willard in these last sermons because I've read almost everything the guy has put out. Um, and he recently died and that's one of the reasons why I've reread all of his stuff. Um, but he rewrote the Lord's Prayer in a way that would make it applicable to us today. And I just think that it is brilliant. So let me pray this or let me read this to you right now. And I think it'll be on the screens. And like I said, check off your box. If, I'll send this out in an email this week so that you all see it. And the box I said to check off is on the bulletin tear off if you want to receive our emails. Dear Father, always near us, may your name be treasured and loved. May your rule be completed in us. May your will be done on earth in just the way it's done in heaven. Give us the things that we need today. And forgive us our sins and impositions on you as we are forgiving all those who in any way offend us. Please don't put us through trials, but deliver us from anything bad because you alone are in charge. You have all the power. And the glory, too, is all yours forever, which is just the way that we want it. I think that's a great way to say amen. Just 
the way that we want it. As we end today, I want to invite us to do two things. One, if you're here today and you realize God wants to use you to overcome evil in the world, we're going to close out our series on the Lord's Prayer with simply praying this together. If you believe that that's you, I want you to unashamedly simply to stand up and to pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it the old-fashioned way because that's how we all learned it, right? Our Father who art in heaven. For those of you who are up to the challenge, I want to invite you to stand with me and pray this prayer. And maybe some of you today in this time simply need to reestablish this relationship with God and say, God, take me to a deeper place. We're a place where I know you. A place where I could do your will and do your bidding. A place where that naturally happens. John, maybe you could come and, and just play something soft in the background. I don't, that's what worship leaders do, right? I, <laughs> I'm not a musician. Mm-hmm. So if any of you are here today and you say, yes, this is me. I want to be part of God's divine conspiracy. Maybe you've believed for a long time and, and you continue to believe. I want to invite you to stand and pray this prayer with me. So if that's you, please stand. Do we have this on the screen, Becky? The, the prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, which art in heaven? Ready, begin. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we have forgiven them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Father, we pray that you would lead us now. God, lead us to be the type of people that do your will automatically because of our deep relationship and knowledge of you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.